Welcome to The Memory Hole, where we talk about controversial ideas, unacceptable views, and pry through the madness. I'm your host, Brian, and this is episode number five. Earlier this week, I saw a really interesting thread on Twitter by someone with the handle at punk6529. It captured how the government of Canada handled the trucker convoy. It's not very often you run into a clear analysis of a topic, but I couldn't have said it better myself. It's a little bit long, but it's worth sharing and discussing. Here we go. First tweet. There are no other constitutional rights in substance without freedom to transact. Being meaning to write this for six months, but the Canadian response to the trucker protests is illustrating this so vividly that today is the day. All right, so, so far so good. Some rights are fundamental. Other rights are derived from those fundamental rights. Or to put it another way, as he aptly states, If you can't have transactions, it's impossible to have any other rights. Don't forget, rights apply in a societal context. Free speech, for example, isn't needed when you're by yourself. You can talk to yourself all you want or think by yourself all you want. It's only when dealing with other people that you need rights. Okay, next tweet. I assume that we are in agreement that constitutional democracies are a good form of government, or at least a better form of government than the other methods we have found to date. This means that I am taking for granted the following assumptions. Okay, so unfortunately, he's not wrong in saying that democracy is the best form of government we've had up to date. Maybe something better will come one day, who knows? It appears we're on a path of moving into worse forms of government the way things are going these days. My biggest problem with democracy is the ability of the majority to revoke the rights of the minority, which is something that can take place in a democracy, unfortunately. And this is accelerated with legacy media, which is now just a bought-and-paid-for propaganda arm of the government. And with social media and their algorithms, that just puts people into worse echo chambers. Okay, let's take a look at the next tweet. 3. People have fundamental rights to speech, assembly, religion, and so on. People are inherently innocent until proven guilty. The state cannot punish people without due process, which generally means that, in a court of law, the state has to prove that you have broken some specific law. Okay, so... Fundamental rights. Good stuff. I agree with what he said here, but I think we're moving away from this. The right to speech is being eroded through crony censorship. The right of religion you could see during the COVID lockdowns was eroded. Churches were shut down, but liquor stores and many other places weren't. You could protest if you were supporting what the government supports, but you'd be arrested if the government didn't approve what you were protesting. This was clear with Trudeau taking the knee during the 2020 BLM protests, but not even talking to the truckers, which was about restoring freedom and normalcy. It's clear to him that laws are flexible depending on if he agrees with the cause. Forget that we are supposed to all be equal under the law. Then we have the idea of people are innocent until proven guilty. This is an interesting one because, as we saw with the Emergencies Act being invoked, Trudeau was able to bypass due process, as in, innocent till proven guilty. I don't know what more people need to see to be convinced that this guy is an authoritarian and that he's destroying Canada. Okay, fourth tweet. If you disagree with the principles above, I guess that's fine, but weird, but probably you can safely exit this thread now because it is unlikely that we're going to agree on anything else. Okay, that makes sense, although this comment applies to the people that most need to hear this thread. Moving on, next tweet, five. People who know me in real life, off-chain, know that I've been harassing them for years that, without the freedom to transact, you have no other constitutional rights. 
and mostly they look at me strangely and I look at them strangely because it seems obvious to me. The simple fact is that without the ability to interact, rights are meaningless since all rights require the ability to interact at a society level. Living in a bubble, if that were possible, wouldn't require rights. Quick sidebar about rights. Most people don't really think about this or know this, but all rights are a demand on someone else. There are two kinds of rights, negative rights and positive rights. You have negative rights, which is often called liberty, and that means no one can interfere with you. To be clear, negative rights doesn't mean something bad. It's negative in that it means other people will not act against you, whether it be in trade or in your pursuit of you living your life. On the other hand, positive rights don't mean good. Positive rights are often referred to as entitlements. Where negative rights mean that other people shouldn't act against you and should leave you alone, positive rights allow you to force someone else to provide you with something, either a service or a product. Positive rights, unlike negative rights, are coercive. Positive rights use force on some people to benefit other people. Positive rights make it impossible to have universal rights in society. The reason people look confused when explaining this is that no one understands the principle of rights. Everyone thinks that by declaring something as a need, that it then becomes a right, as if services and products come out of a Star Trek replicator. These entitlements force other people to provide that something, meaning some people can demand to have something provided to them while other people are stuck providing that something. Or to put it another way, this is injustice. Tweet number six. Freedom of speech might require such activities like a website, a pamphlet, an advertisement, paying for a graphic designer, traveling to a different location, all of which cost money. Okay, so keeping in mind that we aren't owed these services, but if they're available and you can buy these services, blocking or freezing your money, which is your ability to trade or transact, would amount to censorship. And in the context of a Charter of Bill of Rights, it would be a violation of free speech, which is why the ambiguous term terrorism is used. What is terrorism to this government? Anything it doesn't like? Anything it wants to silence? Anything that threatens its power? Next tweet. 7. Freedom of assembly might require such activities like taking a train to Washington, D.C., booking a hotel room, hiring a taxi, buying a hot dog with mustard while you assemble, all of which cost money. Like free speech, preventing you from using your money would prevent you from using these services. What is scary about all of this is that the tools the government is using to silence unacceptable views are becoming more invasive than ever. It'll reach a point, and we aren't far from this already, where once the government targets you, you will be jobless, homeless, and starved to death. All that for the crime of disagreeing with the authoritarian regime. It's like they're trying to forcefully atrophy an entire segment of society. Resistance is futile in their minds. Next tweet. 8. Freedom of religion might require such activities like renting a space for a facility, paying the salaries of religious officials, buying food and consumables, all of which cost money. I can go on, but I think the point is clear. The exercise of rights costs money. By now you can see how money, or the ability to transact, is fundamental to all other rights. Tweet 9. Historically, the risk of financial censorship has been much lower because, for the literally whole of human history until approximately 2001, it was mostly uncontroversial that people could have decentralized, non-custodial mediums of exchange. Okay, so for people that aren't familiar with the term non-custodial, in the finance and crypto sphere it means you retain custody of your assets rather than some third party. So when you put your money into the market, or even into a bank account, 
someone else has custody of your money. They're holding it and it's not in your possession. You can see now with what Trudeau was able to get away with that anything that isn't in your possession can be frozen or taken from you by fiat decree. Now that this has been done, everyone will be inclined to self-censor unless they want to come under the gaze of this dictatorship and have everything they've worked for taken away from them. I can only wonder, like the frog being boiled slowly, at what point will people wake up? I can only hope that in the next election, if there is one, that this authoritarian government is ousted into the trash heap where they belong. Sadly, I'm uncertain whether or not a new government will undo this damage. Next tweets. 10. For hundreds of thousands of years, humans used commodity money from calorie shells to gold, and then in the last few hundred years, we have had various forms of cash-based instruments as well. 11. Over the last 20 years, the institutional environment has shifted to a posture that non-custodial money is default suspicious. Central banks who want the death of cash. Patriot Act and derivatives thereof. Geopolitical pressure points via the banking system. So this is along the lines of, if you have nothing to hide, why do you need privacy? To which I reply, if you aren't a power-hungry dictator, why do you need to end my privacy? Labeling something as suspicious is such a cheap but effective strategy. Anything that challenges government power can automatically be called suspicious and therefore squashed. It's like the woke calling everyone that disagrees with them as racist or bigots or anti-science. Continuing on. 12. But 6529, the goal is preventing money laundering, stopping terrorism, or reducing tax evasion. I agree that these are A, the stated goals, and B, the actual subset of the actual goals. I am also against money laundering, terrorism, and tax evasion. So here they've created a false dichotomy. Either you are for non-custodial money and therefore in favor of money laundering, terrorism, and tax evasion, or you are in favor of custodial money and against money laundering, terrorism, and tax evasion. I guess they believe that by moving the goalposts, criminals won't find another way to do those things. And in the process, everyone else is vulnerable to the whims of the rights violating authoritarian governments. Good trade-off. Throw the baby out with the bathwater. Tweet 13. The problem, however, is that there is both short-term and long-term goal creep. In the United States and EU, banks and payment processors have been pressured to cut off accounts to gun shops, adult businesses, crypto businesses, and other perfectly legal businesses. Is this guy serious? The governments, when given power, will try to retain and grow that power further? I must have missed the memo on that one. Moving on. 14. I consider this to be undemocratic. If a country would like to make pornography or guns or cryptocurrency illegal, it has every right to pass laws to do so. And then the citizens can re-elect or de-elect the politicians who voted for it and or change it in the court. Okay, so that's due process. Sounds about right. 15. What happens instead is hidden deep bureaucracy type BS where the banks point to the regulators and say, well, they told us to close high-risk accounts. And the regulators point to the banks and say, we never said that. Just, you know, be careful. 16. And the net effect is that you don't have a bank account anymore and there is no recourse, no due process, not even an actual law that says you should not have an account. It is deep bureaucracy running a parallel, opaque, unwritten legal system. Deeply undemocratic. This bureaucracy reminds me of how they're trying to silence Joe Rogan, but since they can't directly do it without violating his First Amendment rights, they go about it in a dirty and underhanded way by putting pressure on social media companies to do it instead. It's cronyism 101, and it's very bad for democracy. 16. Even in the current system, 
Being unbanked and having to rely on cash is more or less ejecting you from the modern economy. Paying bills, getting a paycheck, paying vendors, investing in 401k, buying crypto even, all require access to traditional payment rails. So this reminds me of that Black Mirror episode with Bryce Dallas Howard called Nosedive. If you haven't seen it, you really need to watch it. Although the book 1984 was way more predictive, this episode is pretty damn accurate about where we're headed. Ironically, I can relate to the truck driver that picks up Bryce near the end. Something about the truck drivers, eh? 17. But guess what? It's getting worse. Many central banks have stated their goals for CBDCs too. Eliminate cash, allow global transaction censorship, apply deep negative interest rates. For anyone that doesn't know, CBDCs are central bank digital currencies. Think anywhere in the world where you are, the government can turn off your life. I'm so happy we have such a benevolent master, I mean leader. 18. A system of this kind would be the most powerful system of centralized control the world has ever known. Even Stalin, Hitler, Mao did not have the ability to apply global transaction censorship across their empires at the touch of a button. So if those authoritarians had this kind of power, the West wouldn't have won. It's ironic though, that now the West is implementing these kinds of dictatorial powers. Okay, moving on. 19. What will happen is some aspiring dictator will censor their opponent's spending during an election period, and they won't be able to buy a tomato, let alone run a campaign. With such power and no due process, it's a certainty. Power-hungry people tend to run for office. So I've been saying this for years. Everyone accepts that politicians are a part of life. But in general, nobody really trusts or likes these people. I was once taken aback by my father-in-law, who is from Central America, when he said long ago that politicians are all corrupt, and the only difference between the politicians back home and the ones here is the ones here dress nicer. True words have never been spoken. Okay, tweet number 20. Notice that the third goal is mission creep. Nobody started this process in 2001 saying, the goal is to be able to apply negative interest rates to your savings, and yet here we are. Below a certain negative rate, people will withdraw their money, so let's prevent them. Scary stuff. 21. The way this process has been working is that we are the frog and we are being boiled slowly. Every year, the reporting requirements get a little broader, the penalties a little steeper, and the restrictions on cash withdrawals more severe. 22. And most of all, the presumption of innocence is turning into a presumption of guilt. Why do you want to withdraw $5,000 in cash? If you have nothing to hide, why do you need non-custodial instruments? Non-custodial is dangerous. So you see how they flip the narrative there. And people buy it up. Well, I don't need non-custodial instruments, so why should you? Clearly, what works for me should work for everyone since I'm the gold standard. This is hubris at its finest. 23. I remind you that literally, for the whole of human history, non-custodial was the main form of mediums of exchange. It is a very recent concept that this is a bad thing. It is effectively a quiet power grab by the state. 24. This is why one of the reasons that crypto has been generally disliked by central banks in particular. Here they are, closing in on the end of cash, and now a new form of digital cash emerges, and in their view, they need to reel that in too for the rest to work. Okay, so given enough time, people will find a solution to free themselves from under their rulers. Ironically, the governments are learning how to use blockchain technology to make their own cashless currency solutions. But as a counterpoint, with their resources, some of the issues that have stalled crypto are being solved by governments. 
Hopefully, crypto can use this knowledge to be able to move forward and escape fiat money. Okay, 25. So back to constitutional rights. You have constitutional rights. You need money to exercise them. The state acquires the power to cut off funding. What might happen next? I know what happens. All of 6529's friends thinks he's overreacting. Okay, so this isn't shaping up to be a good thing. The government can turn off your freedom with the click of a button. Next tweet, 26. At which point I present to you the liberal prime minister of G7 country known for his extreme good nature and general easygoingness. 27. Prime Minister Trudeau has a political problem. The specific political problem is some truck drivers have blocked part of Canadian cities and highways to protest his COVID-19 policies. This is A. Annoying him. B. Annoying his voters. And C. Probably bad for the economy. So just for scale and comparison, three weeks of protesting and causing disruptions in Ottawa and at the borders is nothing to the two years of lockdowns and rights violations we've just gone through. Tweet 28. I don't actually have a view on the substance of the truckers' protests and if Canada's COVID policies are good or bad or neutral. I would further guess that the truckers are probably violating a variety of Canadian laws relating to how they can protest. So I guess it depends on who you listen to. If you listen to the mainstream media, which was bought off a few years ago with $600 million, it's predictable that they're only saying negative things about the convoy. But many podcasts that have called into people that are actually there, or other people that actually drove there, they'll tell you a different story. Those people will tell you that it was very peaceful, that there was cooperation with local authorities, etc. It's true that the truckers were blaring their horns for many days driving the local residents crazy, but that was made illegal and they stopped. Tweet 29. What would be a normal, constitutional, democracy political response to a problem like this is either A. Let it play out if you think it's in good faith, or B. Encourage the local authorities to arrest them and try them in court if you think it is not. Now, keep in mind, look at how the government handled the natives blocking the train tracks for weeks a few years ago, or Black Lives Matter protests and the convoy. It's very easy to see which groups have political privilege and which groups do not. Tweet 30. Either is fine. The right to assembly in Canada probably does not allow you to block the highway for days for everyone else. I assume Canada still has police and courts so they could presumably arrest the highway blockers and take them to court. Tweet 31. When you go to court in a democracy, the following typically apply. You are innocent until proven guilty. The state has to be specific about which laws you have violated, and the state has to prove it, usually beyond a reasonable doubt. So when it comes to the freezing of accounts, you were guilty before being innocent. The laws being broken were vague, and nothing was proven in court or to any reasonable doubt. Tweet 32. I understand that, at times, this is annoying for the state. You have to collect evidence. The defendants will get their own lawyers. There is time and expense involved and sometimes you might not win. This is the price of a free country. It's funny how this reminds me of arguing with the woke orthodoxy. The reason they can't argue with you is because they don't have arguments. That's why they revert to ad hominem personal attacks like calling you a racist or a sexist or anti-science. That's how they shut down the debate to avoid realizing how crazy they are. Tweet 33. But this is not what is happening today in Canada. The state has invoked its Emergencies Act, which is defined below. It seems a bit ambitious to imagine that the protests exceed the capacity of a province to deal with it or threaten the sovereignty of Canada, but... Okay, so 
Below this part, there's a screenshot of the details of the Emergencies Act. I'll read a little bit of it. The Act defines a national emergency as an urgent and critical situation of a temporary nature that seriously endangers the lives, health, or safety of Canadians and is of such proportions or nature as to exceed the capacity or authority of a province to deal with it or seriously threatens the ability of the Government of Canada to preserve the sovereignty, security, and territorial integrity of Canada. The emergency also cannot be effectively dealt with under any other law of Canada. The Act outlines four different types of national emergencies. A war emergency, an international emergency, a public welfare emergency, and a public order emergency. In this case, the government is invoking a public order emergency. So what's interesting is during all of the previous time of COVID for two years, they didn't use this Emergencies Act. During 9-11, they didn't use this Emergencies Act. During the natives shutting down train tracks for many weeks, where some people were killed, the government didn't use the Emergencies Act. So why now for this? Tweet 34. I'm even willing to stretch and say, okay, maybe it was correct to invoke the act, and let's see what he plans to do with it. What was done with the act made my jaw drop, however. It is my, oh, this might happen in the future scenario, but today. Tweet 35. Canada has asked every single financial system provider from banks to credit card companies to investment firms to crowdfunding platforms to crypto companies, to insurance companies, to freeze the accounts of anyone directly or indirectly supporting the protests. Indirectly. How far does that go? Are we playing six degrees of Kevin Bacon? So my question is, why didn't the banks stop or push back against this request? There appeared to be no pushback. What kind of power would the banks get in a fully cashless society? Especially when the banks would be an arm of the government in policing who to censor. Kind of scary, isn't it? Tweet 36. Given the powers of the Emergencies Act, there is no due process on these actions and no civil liability for this freezing. In the short term, the goal is to shut down the protests by nuking the protesters' financial infrastructure. So there goes the last bit of trust for anything the government touches. No due process or civil liability. No protests unless you have government privilege. Tweet 37. I have to say this is not the model of criminal justice I expected to see in a constitutional democracy. You can't just go around freezing people's savings instead of, I don't know, arresting them and charging them with a crime. Even worse, the indirect supporters. Tweet 38. The indirect supporters have been very fuzzily defined in the press releases. It might include the crowdfunders, but it might include a family member who sends money to someone protesting in order for them to buy a meal. They are being treated as terrorist financiers. Tweet 39. But 6529, these guys are terrorists. They are trying to overthrow the government. I don't know. I am not sure about this. I do not live in Canada, but Canada has a pretty advanced security infrastructure. I do not think it is at any real risk of being taken over. So I call total BS on this. Being a pain in the behind for the government that has locked you down and revoked civil liberties for the last two years is not the same as trying to overthrow the government. No serious person could make this case. Trying to get back to your life from under this regime, to restore freedom, to think of that as overthrowing a government, takes some serious redefinitions to say the least. Tweet 40. But what is a real risk is that constitutional rights will be curtailed, not through laws or court cases, but through weaponization of the financial system. 
Today, you are on Trudeau's side and dislike the truckers, but it's not always this way. Tweet 41. Would you feel the same way if Donald Trump was freezing all the financial infrastructure of BLM and all their indirect supporters? It is a terrible precedent to set. In politics, you must always, always, always invert. As I often say, people are quite tribal or campy these days. I don't subscribe to tribalism. If someone is an a-hole, I don't care which team they're on. Just look at the last hundred years of politics. The left and the right are two sides to the same a-hole coin. Tweet 42. The way to judge an idea is not if your team in power should do it. The way to judge an idea is if you think your worst political enemy should have this power, and if you feel comfortable that the team you hate won't abuse it. I think he captures a really great idea here. This is the great litmus test. If I don't want my enemy having this power, then no one else should have it, not even me. You might like your team crushing the other team with this power now, but if you ever lose the government, this power will be used on you. Tweet 43. It is a mistake to roll out the whole anti-terrorism infrastructure for political protesters and their indirect supporters. The next time around, the other team will use it against you. And this begets a cycle of political violence that ends badly. Tweet 44. I have just been discussing the immediate term effects. The long-term effects will be worse. I suspect without explicit action, many of the people unbanked now will not be rebanked because financial institutions won't want the headache of doing so. Tweet 45. So this is not just a short-term thing, but an uncertain duration ejection from the financial system. No banking, no credit cards, no investment, no insurance, which for the truckers means no job. This type of punishment requires due process. It makes me wonder how many more variants will come our way or whatever else is thrown out as an excuse to continue having emergency power over the people. I hear that China has recently locked down 50 million people again. So you know many governments of the West are chomping at the bit to weaponize that. Tweet 46. This can get so, so, so much worse though. If we end up with a fully custodial system, no cash, no non-custodial crypto, full controlled digital currency, then these types of actions can happen at the push of a button instantly across large groups of people. This is very true. Total compliance or be deplatformed from society. They wouldn't even have to kill you because you'd basically starve to death without a job, without a house, without money to buy food and so on. Stalin would be so proud. Tweet 47. Oh, 6529, we would never abuse this power. Right, of course not. And yet here we are with Canada close to my least likely test case for weaponization of the financial system against domestic dissent. Huh. I never thought I would live to see the day where this would actually be happening this close to me. Tweet 48. Every day, every month, every year, I'm here to say the same thing. The internet, computers, big data, machine learning allow us to centralize information flows in a way that we could never have had before. It is exciting, but it is also dangerous. Tweet 49. It is critically important that we don't sleepwalk into an economic, digital, and metaverse architecture that is completely centralized. Whether it is on the corporate or state systems, it will eventually end up under the state control because states control the exercise of power. So here, central control, the government, are at odds with the citizen. The bigger the state, the smaller the citizen, as Dennis Prager always says. And it's true, we are seeing it again here. Tweet 50. But what about criminals, 6529? Do you think I do not worry about criminals? I worry about criminals more than you do. 
Unlike you, I think criminals are smart and can read and can plan. Wait, what do you mean? Tweet 51. If you centralize the greatest honeypot of power and money in history in the hands of a handful of companies in the state, the really smart criminals won't be running around robbing banks. They will aim for the corporate or political leadership, and then they can win everything. It's funny because here I get the sense that criminal and politician have a very high overlapping definition. It sounds like two major cogs in the same wheel, kind of like a caterpillar and a butterfly being the same thing but at different stages. Tweet 52. Criminals working in their private capacity have done a lot of damage and we should try to stop them. But they are minor players relative to the arch criminals who grabbed power, launched world wars, destroyed countries, economies, cultural heritage, and killed tens of millions of people. Yep, so criminals are bad, but scale determines the amount of damage. This is why as the government inevitably breaks whatever they touch, the scale of the damage caused is so massive. Tweet 53. Financial systems underpin everything, including our constitutional rights. Weaponizing the financial system to resolve domestic dissent, or even criminal justice issues, is a terrible precedent to set. We must preserve non-custodial wallets at all costs. So I agree here that financial systems do underpin everything for interactions, but energy underpins all of society. The only difference between people thousands of years ago and us is we have more energy. We have more energy to feed our machines that do more stuff for us. But that's why governments have gone after controlling energy in the name of saving the environment. It's not the environment that they're after. That's just the excuse. It's the power of controlling everything. I mean, heck, they even found a way to tax you breathing by taxing air. They're really good at screwing things up for people. Tweet 54. Finally, I would like to thank the Government of Canada for providing a sneak preview of what I have been worried about. A lot of you will still think I am a bit of a conspiracy theorist, I am not, but fewer of you than a week ago will think that. In late 2019, if I told you that the government will lock us down for two years, force what we can put on our faces, force what we have to inject into our bodies, you would have sent me to the Looney Lodge with all the other crazies. And yet, here we are. And mostly with glorious applause, I might add. Tweet 55. I would like to end by wishing our Canadian friends good luck in resolving this issue. I do not think this is the end of democracy in Canada, or anything dramatic like that. I think things will eventually resolve, but this is not the way to do it. I really hope Canada returns too, because eventually I won't be able to escape if it doesn't. Actually, what am I talking about? It's illegal for me to leave the country as it is. Tweet 56. Bad precedents should not be normalized. In any case, if this is your first time here... We love the open metaverse and believe in interoperable, decentralized internet architecture. See more here. Anyways, so that's the last tweet. I know this was a little longer than usual, but I think what this person was saying was really worth hearing. As usual, quick question before I go. How would you handle the possibility of being debanked from society? Leave comments on social media and thanks for listening. If you have any comments or suggestions about the show, good or bad, leave them on Getter, Twitter, or Instagram at MemoryHoleShow. Don't forget, speak up and make your voice heard, or you will forever be forgotten down the memory hole. All content from MemoryHoleShow.com and the Memory Hole Show is for the purpose of entertainment and is presented solely as opinion.